Right now, let's talk with Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman. It's the red and the blue. We talk to you and the Cougar every Friday. We just had Brian Keel on, and now here comes Kyle Gunther to talk about the Utes at USC. What's your confidence level right, like right now on a, on a scale of 1 to 100? How much do you feel like your Utes are going to get her done tonight? I'm, I'm over 90%, but I felt confident before the year that this would be the time that the Utes finally get a win in the Coliseum. They haven't done it in 100 years, but you could see this building a year ago when USC quit on its coach, when USC, the players, reportedly quit on JT Daniels, and then you saw what BYU was able to do to Keaton Slovis last week, just playing zone coverage, just Staying in front of receivers, and he looked like a freshman quarterback last week. And defense overall is not in the same stratosphere as the Utes. BYU can't stop the run right now, and, and the Utes can. So you're going to see USC's running game almost eliminated. But their their running game is predicated all on the delay, draw, handoff, and, and trying to build a throw game. So USC's receivers are still very talented, but BYU showed you last week. If you keep them in front of you and make solid tackles, then USC's just not going to have four or five big explosive plays. But I thought USC would struggle early on, and I thought they'd lose to Utah, maybe Washington and Notre Dame. And you're going to see those players mutiny on Clay Helton. They're trying to figure out what their AD situation is. Half the board of trustees want Urban Meyer. Half of them don't. It is a dumpster fire in L.A. at the Coliseum with the Trojans right now. Wow, so you're picking Utah in a blowout? No, no, well, certainly. Blowouts are they're very difficult to come by. But the Utes have shown that they have an extra gear now that, uh, that, that USC does not have. Uh, and I'm going to go back to the play. The Brian Thompson 82-yard pass against Idaho State is a great, uh, it's a great example of that. Uh, the Utes had not shown that deep ball. The deepest throw that they had tried to make was to a tight end at this point on a crossing route and – the, the play where Brian Thompson scored, he split out wide to the left. Damari Simpkins is split out wide to the right. The Utes have two tight ends on the field. And you could clearly see that Idaho State had watched their film and they had a single high safety look and they thought the Utes are not going to throw this deep ball because the safety went with Damari Simpkins, who was crossing the field on an intermediate route. The safety didn't even look at Brian Thompson. Now, obviously, Tyler Huntley did. He threw a beautiful ball, but... That will change the way that you defend the Utes now because the Utes have put that play on film. Tyler Huntley, as we discussed, I mean, there's no reason to throw a deep ball against BYU or Northern Illinois because the Utes are running the ball so well. But you have to show that wrinkle so that USC will defend it. So now that USC has seen that play on film, if they go with a single high safety look and they see Brian Thompson split out wide to the left, that safety has to honor the deep ball now. You don't have to throw five of them every game. You've got to throw one or two a month. And the D coordinators will design their game plan around stopping that now. So what the youth have now against USC is an ability to open up those intermediate routes because I, I think USC will begin to respect the deep ball. Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman, joining us. Uh, you clearly have gone back and watched film, and I've talked to some other people. We've had him here on the show who said, USC misses too many tackles. They are not bringing Moss down. He's having a big game. Do you buy it? Zach Moss is so hard to tackle. And, yeah, USC's got some issues. They missed some tackles against BYU. And uh, I think BYU's run game really surprises people, and it's because BYU's line is very good. I think Tyson Williams is a good running back. But uh, look at the very first play of the game against Idaho State for Zach Moss. 
that play is a TFL against a lot of teams. But uh, if you remember, Zach Moss spun outside of the player they're optioning. The, the read option in, in Utah's offense and really any spread offense, it's predicated around not blocking the weak side defender. A lot of times that's a defensive end or an outside rusher. So you leave him unblocked because you option him. If he goes to the quarterback, you hand it off. If he goes to the running back, the quarterback keeps it. Well, the look was clearly to give, and Zach Moss spun backwards around him and ran for, I don't know, 20 yards or whatever it was. That just shows that Zach Moss is on another level. I know Idaho State is not as talented as USC, but those guys can still tackle. Zach Moss is going to potentially lead the nation in broken tackles. I think he's already up there in terms of yards after contact. So USC is going to struggle stopping Zach Moss, but Utah is a better team. Uh, and, and Utah cares more. USC does not care. And I, I wouldn't say that about a team unless they lost five of six down the stretch last year. You can't do that on accident when you're as talented as USC. So I think the Utes have got to figure out how to use their tight ends better. And, and maybe that's not the right way to phrase it. How to hide their tight ends better. Uh, and other than that, uh, the Utes are going to run the ball all over USC. And I think that's going to be the game plan, to play keep away because – USC's best strength right now is their ability to score quickly, and they could be down 14-3 to and all of a sudden make one throw to Michael Pittman and it'll feel like USC's back in that game. So uh, I, I feel like Zach Moss is going to have 1,000 yards in the next couple of weeks total, uh, and, and he's maybe the best running back to ever play at Utah. You look at Tom Lane, he's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, we all agree on that. Nothing short of brilliant. How true is it as the schedule turns tougher? Okay, every year, Tyler Huntley has dominated the non-conference. Remember his sophomore year? He lit up, you know, I don't know, Podunk in San Jose, and then, you know, he got, he got hurt against Arizona, uh, and, you know, we, everybody said, well, his stats were so great before he got hurt, but you should do well against Northern Illinois and Idaho State, and Tyler Huntley has done that. Man, there, there were three plays that are sacks against Idaho State, that, or that should have been sacks that had he, they'd been playing against anyone else. Uh, Tyler Huntley would have been brought down. Uh, Tyler Huntley has been sensational with his decision-making, but I still think he's holding the ball too long. So you can get away with that. and You can spin out of pressure against Idaho State. But that is the concern, is that you need to do that over the next eight to nine weeks consistently and avoid those facts. I still I cannot think of a time where I've seen Tyler Huntley get into trouble and throw the ball out of bounds. And I, we talked about this for three years about Travis Wilson, just – Stop throwing a ball into a dangerous window. If you get in trouble, if you feel the pressure, get outside the pocket and throw the ball away. I would still like to see Tyler Huntley do that. But, you know, overall, I don't think he's going to be ad-libbing as much against USC. I think he understands that he's got to play uh, a little more of a – I think he's got to play a little closer to the vest because I think he got himself into trouble a bit against Idaho State trying to make something out of nothing. And that's what a playmaker does, but Tyler Huntley doesn't have to do it all on his own. I want you to go back to what you said about the tight ends. You started to say hide the tight ends, and you corrected yourself. What do you think of Utah's <laughs> tight ends? How much can they contribute here, and how much do they have to just not mess it up? Oh, they're great catching the football. But, uh, again, going back to the Brian Thompson's 82-yard catch, uh, I mean, the Utes have a new right tackle in there, and Cindy Moala's playing pretty well in there. I still think the Utes are going to put Bam in there whenever he gets eligible. But on that play, Tyler Huntley got hit as he threw, and, and there was some pressure on the right side. And when you go back and watch it, both tight ends, 
missed the block. There's two tight ends on the right side, and they're blocking an outside rusher from Idaho State, and somehow the tight ends both end up facing each other. Like, if you're blocking side by side, you should have your shoulders parallel. These guys are facing each other. So Keithy and Fotheringham, you know, it's elbows and ear holes with these tight ends. And uh, that's, that's common. It's not a red flag. But, yeah, the tight ends are, you know, that's always been the issue, not just under Andy Ludwig, but can you find guys that can block and catch the pass routes? Because if they're struggling in the blocking schemes, well, then you can't max protect, which means you can't ask them to pass protect, which means you can't run the deeper routes. So these are all decisions that the youths will have to make and maybe just be more judicious with how they ask these tight ends to block. But, yeah, that's always been the issue. These tight ends get to catch passes, and so they're too much of a diva to go do the offensive line stuff, but they're too big and muscular to fit in with the wide receivers. So these guys have always been uh, sort of a position group with no home. But, yeah, the youths do need better blocking from their tight ends right now. Compared to the traditional offensive linemen, are tight ends sissies? (laughs) Okay, tight ends are sissies because they won't gain the weight. You've never met a tight end who says, yeah, you know what, Coach? I'll gain an extra 40 pounds and I'll move to offensive tackle for the team. No. Every tight end says, Coach, you know, I think I'd like to drop down to maybe like 220 pounds. I was a really good wide receiver in high school. I got news for you, tight end. We were all good receivers in high school. (laughs) DJ, PK, you guys would be happy to know I once had 17 catches in a single season in high school football at tight end. I was amazing. Every single time I caught a pass, I got tackled from behind, though. And I realized I may have a dearth of speed. Kyle Gunther, former uh, high school tight end and former Utah offensive lineman, joins us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is the, uh, is the Utah offensive line uh, going to blow big holes open in this team? Is this going to be pretty simple to, to call plays in this game? Are they going to dominate? I think USC has the second-best D-line in the conference. And Utah's running a lot of unique stuff right now. They're, they're optioning guys, uh, meaning they're, they're purposefully letting guys go unblocked, and they're adjusting to different blitzes. Uh, the play that Zach Moss essentially scored on, to make it 10-3 to three or whatever it was, to, to get that first touchdown, I mean, Zach Moss had a 30- or 40-yard run where he essentially stepped out of bounds. So Idaho ran field smack. They brought a corner. They brought their outside linebacker. Field smack is what they call it because it's the middle linebacker. Sometimes it's the strong linebacker. Every team runs it. They run it from the field, and Idaho showed it. The Utes wide receivers called it out. You could see because the corner was coming too. And so the tight end picked him up. The receiver crossed over. He ended up getting to the middle linebacker. Darren Paulo left the blitzing outside linebacker go because that was the player they were optioning. However, Idaho State timed it up pretty well, and Zach Moss essentially got hit in the backfield. And so that's a play that tells me, you know, that's not the offensive line's fault. That's a scheme thing. And what you do to counter that is you've got to mix up your snap count. If you see that the outside rusher, if you're Tyler Huntley, if you can see that he's leaning so far forward, he's timing this thing up, he's about to jump over the line of scrimmage, don't say hut. Wait an extra half millisecond so that his timing is off, and sometimes it's easier said than done. But those were some of the main issues I saw against Idaho State. Just the Utes were getting maybe a little too complacent with their snap count. So I think they should mix that up against USC. But uh, the Utes' interior offensive line played very well against Idaho State, and I do think they will have the advantage over USC. 
I like USC's linebackers, though. I know they missed some tackles against BYU, but they're a talented group. So uh, I think Utah's linebackers have also been very talented. They've been maybe the most pleasant surprise of the season overall, you know, talking about the Utes defense. But back to your question, DJ, I, I think USC's D-line is the strength of their team outside of their wide receiving core, and that's going to be a tough matchup. But remember last year, that athleticism showed itself in the form of J2 Fele scooping and scoring, and you realize, okay, that guy just outran everybody on Utah's offense. That's why he's a four-star player. Now, the Utes made a mistake. They gave up that play. They gave up the touchdown, and they were down 14 up to USC. They came back and won the game because of their scheme. But USC has the talent to accidentally score 21 points against anyone on their schedule. But, yes, I see the Utes running the ball well against USC tonight. So we've had a couple conference games being played, but mostly and it's been non-conference. So based on the non-conference going into now, which starts successfully for the Utes, the rest of the games are conference games. Handicap the South and the North. The South is terrible. Uh, I told you before the season – I mean, I've said it for the last year and a half. UCLA is the worst team in the country. Chip Kelly is one of the worst coaches in the country. The only reason, like Athlon Sports picked UCLA second in the South. It's ludicrous. And every time you find out why, the media says, oh, well, you know, Chip Kelly's smart. Great. There's a lot of smart guys. The team doesn't respond to him. He's an arrogant, weird guy. He failed out twice in the NFL. There was the reports over the summer that the team hates him at UCLA, and that's true. UCLA's offense is so bad, they have to motion guys every single play. They're moving tight ends, tackles over. It's a train wreck. Uh, Colorado just got out-toughed by Air Force. Uh, Arizona's a team that, my goodness, if you can just tackle Khalil Tate a few times, they have no chance to beat you. Arizona State really surprised me against Michigan State. Now, I'm not sure Michigan State's all that good. Utah State took them down to the wire last year, but... Jaden Daniels, he is dinking and dunking. The freshman quarterback for ASU, I feel like the Utes can confuse him. Now, Keaton Slovis, who's every bit of freshman quarterback for USC, he got so confused, he threw a couple of interceptions right to guys at BYU. I want to say it was the Isaiah Kafusi interception. Slovis threw it into triple coverage. That's a guess. If you're guessing out there, you're going to guess wrong against this Utah secondary. And the Utes can take a defensive turnover. They can take that back, and they can score. Uh, I think the Utes will have a defensive score against USC tonight, but uh, I forget. Maybe I missed. I think I got all the teams in the South. I think the Utes are far better than everyone in the South. Now, uh, Oregon and Washington are the teams to beat in the North, but it doesn't appear like Washington has this ability to be all that diverse on offense. I'm up in the air on Cal, though. I'm wondering, you know, Cal had a really mysterious win last year. Uh, they had a couple of, of nice wins. I'm wondering if, if that was a one-off for Cal to have beaten Washington earlier on. But uh, I still think Washington's the team to beat in the North. But uh, it, it's a much closer battle this year because it doesn't appear like Washington has the run game, which then opened everything up for their throw game a year ago. You skipped over Washington State. Where do they fit in that? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, and Washington State's a tricky one. Did you guys see Gardner Minshew last night yeah. uh, for oh, sure. the Jags? I mean, it shows, and he was a transfer who got turned down from Alabama. They wanted him to be a coach. He came over from East Carolina and learned that Mike Leach system so quickly. Uh, I, I skipped over Washington State. You're right, and, and they're they're a very 
tricky team for the youth to figure out. A year ago, they let Gardner Minshew throw the ball with impunity in the first half. They didn't bring enough pressure. I think they're going to change that this year now with Gage Gabrud and try to bring more pressure and get the ball out of his hands quicker. But that's a tough matchup for the youth. I don't think Washington State's the best team in the North. I don't think they're in the top two in the North. But to your point, though, I think from the youth standpoint, it's a tricky matchup because that's always been the issue since the youth have been in the Pac-12 is can their third and fourth corners, the youths, can they match up with Washington State and Arizona State running those crossing routes? When you run crossing routes over the middle of the field, let's call them an intermediate range, you really put pressure on man coverage. Because let's say I'm lined up over a receiver on the offense's right side and I'm playing man coverage, and he drags over the middle of the field all the way across to the left, and the other receiver does the same thing, well, I'm going to run into my own defensive back or linebacker. And yes, that's a pick play, but everybody does it, and it's it's you know it's it's an unwritten rule. That's a way to attack the Utes in man coverage. And when you do that, then you force the Utes to go to zone, and they're not as good in zone coverage because they have the speed to cover man to man. Washington State runs those crossing routes very well, and that's a tough matchup for the Utes. And that's always going to be the issue. It's like, you know, how do you fight through a screen on a pick and roll? You know, how do you? How do you try to close out now on Mike Conley without you know getting burned by Rudy Gobert? There, it's kind of the same thing. Like, how do you how do you flip through that as a defensive back and not get picked by the other receiver? That's kind of the battle that the Utes have fought with Washington State. Well, Kyle, we appreciate a little bit of time. That was a lot of football knowledge. I'm going to have to think about that and process that. You were throwing stuff at us left and right there. Good work. I will not apologize for the size of my brain, gentlemen. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Good to talk to you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. See you guys. See you, DJ, PK. Appreciate you.